Welcome all you good movie buddies to another episode of The Popcorn Diet. That's right, this is a podcast for those of you who, very much like us, live on a steady diet of movie theater popcorn and other various movie snacks, like delicious, salty, warm, soft pretzels. This is literally probably one that is the way to my heart. Mm. I am Rick Williamson, your very best good movie buddy, and with me as always is my fellow good movie buddy, the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn. And today... We are talking about cartoons. Cartoons. <laughs> Animation. Animation. Um, uh, going back. I'm dragging David into this conversation of animation, uh, kicking and screaming, but uh, but regardless. You know what? I, I love animation, but I do feel like any anticipation for most animated movies is is gone at this point in my life. I don't know if I've grown out of it, if I've gotten uh, cynical in my old age or or what it is, but going into uh, the movie last night, I just couldn't get excited for it. It wasn't that I didn't enjoy it. I always enjoy movies, but I just don't anticipate animated movies anymore, it seems. I wouldn't disagree with you because I didn't go into it like with an anticipatory feeling. I thought it would, you know, I've, and we'll we'll talk about it later, I guess, um, but yeah, I I've literally spent most of the night and in the and the very few parts of the morning, thinking about like, am I have I finally gotten too old, for animation? I'm too old for this. Am I finally too old for cartoons? Um, and it might be. Maybe. I don't Who know. Knows? We will see, but uh, so well, and with that, I think. One thing we wanted to start off with is I wanted to ask you yes. sort of about the the current state of animation. Okay. Um, I think since we've been alive, uh, big change. So we were both products <laughs> born in the 80s. Yeah. Um, and products when we, of the 80s. When we started out watching animated movies um, or even cartoons, they were all pretty similar from a standpoint of... Um, the animation, and um, you had, uh, I think about the, you know, those really thick plastic cases for all the Disney movies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember those. My, my aunt collected them, and still if I go to her house, she has, like, every one of them that was ever made in those hard plastic collectible cases or whatever. There was, for the longest time, that rumor that those some of those were, like, super valuable. Yeah, hopefully they will, because they take up a lot of space. Lot They're of about, they take about the size of four DVDs. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> they really do. But, and then, then came Toy Story and Pixar. Well, you're jumping ahead too because you're missing. You're, you're really missing out on when when we were born. It was really just before the huge Disney Renaissance. Like Disney was in a dark period for the mid '80s where they had things like The Black Cauldron and, and The Great Mouse Detective, which are not bad films, but when 89 rolled around, The Little Mermaid blew it up. Sure. You know, and you had films like 86 and 87. You had films like An American Tale, which is a big favorite of mine. You know, things like The Brave Little Toaster, which I totally forgot about. But then once you hit 89, like then, it was just, then Disney took over. It's and true. then you had the heyday of Disney in the mid, in the mid '90s, which was, The Rescuers Down Under, which isn't highly regarded, but I love that movie. Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, Lion King, 
And then Toy Story came out and everything changed. Well, because at the at the time it was something we hadn't seen. Animation yeah. was on a completely different level than what we were used to. Right. And even just in my opinion, it was the first or one of the first first memorable one to me that tried or in my opinion appealed to an older age while appealing to obviously the normal demographic for animation. Sure. So, I mean, there's there were jokes in there that were jokes that weren't touched ever before in animation or or very lightly in other ones, you know, whether it be like the interaction of like Woody and and Bo and things like that. Yeah. Like there was little things here and there, not like obvious enough or even and innocent enough still that if a kid did you know, realize, get the joke. It's sure. not like it was inappropriate that's from a that standpoint. Thing. That's a beautiful thing about watching some of these animated films or even kids' films in general, going back and watching them as adults, is you get those little subtle adult jabs that would completely go over a kid's head, Yep. Um, which is super fascinating. But, yeah, that, that mid-'90s, when, when obviously Pixar came out in 95, but, like, so did Pocahontas, you know, we were still in the midst of that Disney um, revolution, for lack of a better word. And then 97 happened and Hercules and traditional animation started going down a little bit. And then 98, when you had A Bug's Life and freaking ants, like <laughs> we already had CGI cartoons competing with one another. And uh, and after that, I mean, after that, I think it really just you, you saw that change where the animated films, the traditionally animated films started going a certain way and Toy Story 2 and then that just snowballed. Well, I think early on too, even with Pixar, it was it was a big deal when a Pixar movie came out because yeah. they weren't cranking them out one or two a year no. like they are now. Like you had Toy Story, but then the next one, what, didn't come out until... For like two years. Two 90, years. 97, 98? Might be Bug. 98. It might have been three years. A Bug's Life was 97, I believe. Nope, 98. 98. So, Toy Story 95, Bug's Life 98. And then Toy, Toy Story, Story 99. Um, but then Monsters, Inc., 2001. Finding Nemo, 2003. Right. Incredibles, 2004. Cars, 2006. Ratatouille, 2007. Right when it got out. to Cars, that's when they started doing one every year. And then when you got to... 2015, they they did two movies. They did Inside Out and Good Dinosaur. Yeah, faster computers. Which was actually interesting that year because they skipped 2014. So, right, right. That's um, why they had those two. Yeah. But now this year, we're getting two again. Yeah. Well, and I think one of the things that made um, made Pixar so refreshing too is all of it was original content. Like for the when they at least initially came out. Right. Like, none of these had been, like, long-time cartoons or even long-time cartoon characters that we suddenly got. Or fairy tales. Or fairy tales or, or those things. Or 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 um, fantasies. Like, The Hunchback of Notre Dame isn't a fairy tale, but that's a story, you know. Yeah. It's tale a, is old as time. Yeah. Same thing with Pocahontas. Like, oh, I see what you did there. Th- right? Well, <laughs> see how I did that? 
Um, those were all, you know, even going into sort of the downward spiral of um, like Treasure Planet. Like Treasure Planet's the same thing. Like that's everyone knows that story. We yep. just put it in space. Yep. Um, but yeah, with Pixar, they. I mean, even now, am I wrong? Have they adapted anything? If you go and look, they're still, no, but they've done sequels. Well, they've done sequels to their own content, sure. which which is fine. You know, their sequels are oftentimes a little bit lesser, um, with the exception of the Toy Story films. Yep. Like those movies just inexplicably keep getting better and better and better. Um, but yeah, but now Pixar rules the world, and everyone else is just trying to catch up. Well, another thing I think, as I as I was looking through things for for this podcast. Um, one thing I realized is a lot of these, the involvement of animation studios, which I think was also kind of triggered by Pixar to yeah. some point, because um, you look at like Universal now has actually multiple uh, animation studios. Right. Well, they've bought some too, but yeah. I mean, even going as far back as Ants, um, was Ants Universal? I think, I thought it was. I thought Ants was... Uh, I could be wrong. I probably am. DreamWorks. I, I almost thought, so DreamWorks, yeah. So DreamWorks was, um, DreamWorks Animation came out literally two years after Toy Story. And I really think that those two in particular are, despite the fact that DreamWorks is not even close to the level. Mm-hmm. Um, those have been the two big, those have been like the Lakers and the Celtics. But you have some that have like roots going way back. Sure. But they didn't. They weren't like regularly cranking out animation movies. Like you have the the good old Ardman animations with yeah. the Wallace and Gromit's yeah. and Chicken Run. I mean, they go back all the way to, you know, they had something in the late '80s that yeah. they were doing. Um, and then you get like Fox Animation, which is relatively recent, um, where they've become big. But they were doing stuff all the way back in the in the 70s, I even found Raggedy Ann and Andy oh, wow. was a was an animation from Fox. But then you had like Fern Gully and Once Upon a yeah. Time in the Forest. Yeah. Um, but they didn't really start cranking them until, I don't know, Ice Age probably, probably is when not. they really started uh, dedicating a lot to it. Um, but they do random ones. I feel like studios would do like random ones. Now it's like everybody's got kind of a cycle. You've got the... Illumination Studios, where um, you've got Minions and the Despicable Me movies, right. and that's pretty much all they have, right? What else? Is, what is all? What else? They is basically all... do any of the Dr. Seuss movies. So they did Lorax and okay. How uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And, all right. Um, and they're, I mean, really, their first movie that Illumination did was, let's see, uh, maybe Despicable Me. Yeah. The first Despicable Me. Yeah. Oh, they did Brad and Gary, but that was a. Sh- wasn't that the a short? The hell is Brad and Gary? I don't know. It was 2011. Sounds like a no, short. No, Home Makeover was a Despicable Me like little short thing, I think. Huh. And Hop, that was another. Oh, they okay. But Hop was a combination live action, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Right. Well, and that's another thing that was popular for a little while. You had like Space Jam and Page Master. Yeah. And... Well, going back all the way to 88 uh, with Roger Rabbit. Yep, exactly. Um, and then... Looney Tune movies were popular uh-huh. for everything. Everything like Warner Brothers, they really liked it. Seemed yeah. to do combo of cartoons and and live 
those are probably one of like the hardest movies to make, like the combination live action animation, just because of the gags and all of the interactions of a fully realized cartoon character. Although you have to imagine that nowadays with fully realized CGI characters that it's got to be easier, right? Yeah. Unless the animated character is a little bunny rabbit and there's no way you can have somebody stand in for you mean, that. You mean now that we've got Andy Serkis standing in a exactly. costume talking with you when exactly. he's playing an animated character? Yeah, yeah. You'd have Andy Serkis dressed like Roger Rabbit now. Yeah. <laughs> Andy Serkis could have done a had a lot of work back then he if would, uh, yeah, they would have had that technology <laughs> yeah he could he's i mean he got a lot of work now yeah he does but um but yeah no animation has evolved so much uh, i always like the the untold or not really the untold but sort of the forgotten side of animation um which is um don bluth um and don bluth worked with spielberg and and if for those of you who grew up in the same sort of time frame as, as david and i uh born in the mid 80s obviously watching these cartoons as we grew up through the late 80s and early 90s, you remember cartoons like An American Tale, Five O Goes West, All Dogs Go to Heaven, Land Before Time. Those were all done by Don Bluth, um, and they were originally done by Universal. And oddly, I mean, they were never as successful, commercially speaking, as Disney was. I mean, they were never even close. But I hold those Don Bluth movies in pretty high esteem because there was a very distinct animation style back in the late 80s, early 90s um, that, that differentiated him from, from the way Disney did things. Um, but he's long gone now. I don't, I'm sure he's doing stuff. <laughs> well, at least, uh, at least like Fox has carried on the tradition of, of beating a dead horse far too long. With... With Ice Age. With Ice Age? What is it about prehistoric movies that it's just... Freaking Land Before Time? Billion sequels, too. Land Before Time? You got... I think... I, I got to look up how Land many Land Before, Before Time... Land Before Time 15. The Undiscovered Valley. The Land Before Time tw- uh, 27. Um, the... Uh, they could... It should make a crossover. I can't believe they haven't done the Land Before Time uh, 20, 29. Um, the Ice Age. Like that's that's where the real money's at. All right, right there. Here we go. I'm gonna li- I'm gonna list off just for because I'm sure everybody's interested in how many Land Before Time. How many Time. fucking Land Before Time movies there? It are? started Jeez. out in 1988. Then we got. Then they waited six years before we got Land Before Time. Yeah. Two. Okay. Um, and then we got 90. So that was 94. The, and then they just started cranking them out the Great every Valley year. Great Valley Adventure. So then you had 95, 96, 97, 98, 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003, 2005, 2006, 2007. Seven, Did you then, realize they made a 2016 Land Before no, Time? No, I didn't. I, well, I didn't. I, Journey of the Brave. I'm shocked that there was a space in between there because they didn't make a Land Before Time movie between Appar- 2007 and Appar- 2016. Apparently LeBron showed up because it says the description is Littlefoot's father, Bron. Fails. Shut the fuck up. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Littlefoot's father, Bron, arrives with his herd. Soon word gets out that this that this that he is trapped in the mysterious beyond, urging the gang to set out on a quest to save him. Along the way, they meet a new fr- uh, a few new friends as well as dangerous foes. Jesus. No. No, I didn't 
So 14. Crazy. 14 Land Before Time movies. Now, all, now granted, every single damn one of them except for the first one is direct-to-video. Sure. <laughs> so does that mean now that, as we were talking about before we started, now that probably the nail in the coffin has been done for Ice Age. God, we can because only hope. It bombed in the theaters. I don't even know how many of those there's been made there. They don't even have the fucking common courtesy to put a number on their movies. So next we're going to be dealing with Ice Age direct videos. They'll probably keep like one. Probably uh, probably John Leguizamo will be <laughs> the only Why you got to do Johnny Legs like that? Why you got to do Johnny Legs he's, like that? He's... Of all the people that'll stick around, you think Leguizamo is going to be the one? <laughs> Not Romano or Sean William Scott. Sean William Scott. They can probably keep him. What the fuck on is too. Sean William Scott doing right now? <laughs> Voice and Kitty movies. Oh man. They only made five of them, but it feels like they made seventeen. Well, because those are still to come direct to video. Um, we haven't even gotten a direct to video yet. Ice Age. God. Land Before Time got fourteen, and and they only had one theater release. The Just meltdown. imagine how many we'll get from Ice Age. Dawn of the Dinosaurs, Continental Drift, Collision Course. Not to mention that these Ice Age movies are really shitty at teaching kids prehistoric timelines, like <laughs> like completely, because Dawn of, Ice Age Dawn of the Dinosaurs flip that shit around. Yeah. What are you talking about, Ice Age? Go home. You're drunk. <laughs> the fuck out of here. Hmm. Collision Course. Collision Course made like $30 million. $12. Budget on 408 Fuck you, it made 408 $408 million? Worldwide. Must have done well. The oh world. Oh, my God. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it only made $64 million here. So you know what that means. More. We're getting more. Yep. And we're going to have fucking Tyrese as a voice in the next one. <laughs> they just keep adding more people that aren't really names. Get Vin Diesel and Tyrese. <laughs> no, and those, them. those are too big of names for them. <laughs> Ludacris? We need Ludacris to, too big? Uh, maybe they'll get Ja Rule. Ja Rule. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or Bow Wow. Drift guys. Or Bow Wow. Yeah, we can get the Tokyo <laughs> yeah. Drift guys. We can get Bow Wow and we can get Lucas Black. We yeah, get there them you go. Easy. Easy. Piece of cake. And it'll be Ice Age 6. They'll probably be real creative, too, and they'll be like speedsters or something. Be, <laughs> like, yeah, oh, absolutely. Like, it'll be Ice Age 6, like the Thaw of the Furious or yeah. some <laughs> bullshit like that. Come on. How are we not making this movie already? Look at this. We're spending gold right Apparently now. Apparently you can print money worldwide. We are printing money right now for you, Ice Age. Go get, <laughs> go get Bow Wow, Ja Rule, and Lucas Black, Ice Age 6. The Thaw of the Furious, and you tell me that movie doesn't make a little bit of money. Big in China. So so this kind of leads me into, not really leads me in, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change up our, our okay. topic here. So something that's been a recent development, um, you can probably correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. but we've been moving to live animation with... Uh, what, Cinderella, what are the ones that have come out thus far? Cinderella, Jungle Book. Live action remakes. Yeah, live action remakes. Um, You got got a version of Sleeping Beauty. That's right, we did get Sleeping Beauty. You got uh, Alice in Wonderland, obviously. I'm not counting, uh, yeah, so what what probably kicked us off? Alice in Wonderland? Alice in Wonderland, I think so. I think it did. When that made way too much money overseas as well. That piggybacked off the um, success of Avatar. Avatar came out. 
Avatar came out and it was this 3D experience. Mm-hmm. Like literally, Avatar in 3D, and and we've talked about Avatar already on here, and we'll talk about Avatar a lot in in the two years until the next fucking one comes out. But Avatar came out and that movie made all the money. And everyone was like, it, it was the most, um, it was the best version of, of film in 3D that it could have possibly been. And then Alice in Wonderland came out, what, four months later? And it was the same, it toted itself as the 3D experience. Mm-hmm. And so it made a billion dollars. It also took advantage of, apparently Alice in Wonderland is like a beloved story overseas because that thing did solid in the States, yeah. but it killed it worldwide. Yeah, well, it's big, it's big European, most of these. And it, and it made, took advantage of peak Johnny Depp too. Right, peak Johnny Depp. Exactly, before everybody got fucking tired of him. Um, but, you know, there's always been, like, even before this renaissance of live-action remakes, they did 101 Dalmatians with sure. Close. They did The Jungle Book um, with uh, Jason Scott Lee, which is actually a really great movie. Do you remember that Jungle Book? I do remember that um, Jungle where Book. Where it's got Carrie Elwes mm-hmm. as the bad guy and stuff? Yep. Yeah, that movie was dope. Um, um, and then they really kind of stopped, and then it until... Uh, Maleficent and Beauty and the Beast. They did. They even did Pete's Dragon, which was amazing because it was. it was a totally different movie. That's what they really should do. Like, you look at something like Pete's Dragon, you look at something like Beauty and the Beast. All right, Pete's Dragon was this. You know, some people liked it, but it was this weird seventies movie with the, nobody remembers. Had a bunch of fucking hillbillies in it, and it didn't make a ton of money. Um, but what they did is they took the core concept the boy and his imaginary dragon, and they spun an entire new original story about fear. He wasn't imaginary, Ricky. Well, he wasn't, no, invisible, sorry. I take it back. I apologize for all all the Pete's Dragon purists listening to this. How dare you? I know there's at least one that might listen to this. How dare you? I loved that movie. Um, but then on the other hand, and, and I and they turned it into a really great movie. And it didn't it didn't burn up the box office, but it was It was, was well reviewed and one of my favorite movies last year, really well reviewed. Um and then but on the other hand, on the flip side, they have their super popular movies. Well, I feel like they kind of cut their teeth or tested the water with lesser known ones and, mm-hmm. and you know, so like you had Maleficent, um, you know, which is a story most people, I mean, the average moviegoer probably doesn't know. Like, they they probably know the character. Remember Sleeping Beauty, and they remember Maleficent as a bad guy, and that's pretty much it. But that's about it. So, um, and then you had Pete's Dragon and and Cinderella, but I feel like Cinderella. Cinderella was really the start of, because Maleficent took an existing story and was like, we're going to tell you the unknown story. And it's like, don't do that. Like, don't turn your villains into into misunderstood heroes. Like, embrace the villains. The villains are a, are a huge brand for you, Disney. Yeah. Um, but then with Cinderella, they just straight made the same fucking movie. Yeah. And made $200 million. And that's then... Jungle Book, though, didn't quite tell the exact same movie. Not the exact same. Like, it wasn't, close. like, scene for scene. It but was it was, like, there was a lot of Yeah, it was parallel. Yeah. Um, and then Beauty and the Beast is a straight... Same fucking movie. So my question to you is, is this going to help or hurt animation? Like, are people going to get away from wanting to see straight-up animated movies? Mm -hmm. Is this going to eat into that? Or is this a way of 
attracting people our age that mm -hmm. we feel like, you know what, maybe we're on the tail end of our, our animated life. Uh -huh. And this is a way of getting them back to see those stories they grew up on since we are in a in a no guts, no balls era of movies where why come up with something original when I can just do something that already made lots of money well, and make more money off of it? Well, listen, we can blame Hollywood all we want for lacking originality, but the fact of the matter is... The as long crowds, as people keep going. The crowds so. go to it. Like we just said, Beauty and the Beast is the exact same movie, and that will be the highest grossing movie of the year behind Star Wars. Once Star Wars comes out. And Most they likely. almost came out at completely opposite ends of the year. People keep going to those movies. There is a nostalgia factor with our generation that I think, basically to answer your question, I think it's a cycle. I think there is always going to be a place for animated film. Sure. There is always going to be a medium Hey, if for Boss it. Baby can... <laughs> make fucking $250 million, which DreamWorks, that's the shit I'm talking about. You've made great films. Like the How to Train Your Dragon series is excellent. The Kung Fu Panda series is legit excellent. And then you go and make fucking Boss Baby? Come on, man. Trolls. Get your head in the game. Crude. Fucking trolls. Cruise is all right. But they also milked the crap out of Shrek. The Boss Baby, and everything. yeah, they yeah, yeah, they did. And Madagascar. But going back to your question, like there's always going to be place for animation to keep making animated films. Um, but what, what it's going to be is, what that does is it creates a, a really interesting cycle of existing IP and nostalgia so that when they go back and they go to the movies that were... What they're doing currently is they're going back to the movies of the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, and they're remaking them into live action because the adults will go see them and they will bring their kids, right? And the same cycle is going to happen with the movies that have come out in the last 10 years. The kids that went and gone seen them, they're growing up, they're becoming parents, and they're going to remake those movies, and we will take our kids to them, or you'll take your kid, and I'll just show up alone because I'm a creep, creep, I guess, because I okay. like movies. No judgment. Thank you. Um, and we will get that cycle over and over and over again. Like, they have, right now, there are zero plans to remake any Pixar movies as live-action movies, but I guarantee you, in our lifetime. I guarantee you, if I could bet money on this, I would, and I would cash out, that they are going to remake some of those Pixar movies as live-action movies. I guarantee you, you'll see a Monsters, Inc. I guarantee you, you'll see a Ratatouille. I guarantee you that you'll see an Incredibles remade in a live-action version. See, and but they I, might not be exact. I, I think the danger when you venture into Pixar is... I think people in general regard the Pixar movies as like really well done movies top to bottom. Yeah. Like not that Beauty and the Beast was not. Beauty and the Beast was the first film, animated film to get nominated for Best Picture back yeah, before there absolutely. was an animated film category. So that one's a bad, bad example, obviously. But um, a lot of these animated movies they're remaking, it's not that the story... The stories, for the most part, are really solid and really good. Uh -huh. But, you know, with the level of animation they had and those types of things. Right. I and don't, they're old, too. They're looked on more nostalgically yeah. than 
you know, like to me, like I could watch, I could plug in Toy Story and it's still, right. you know, just as good now as it was back then. Cinder- well, Cinderella came out in 1950. Like and so pix- that's 60 years old. Yeah. That we got a remake. Pete's Dragon came out in 77. Well, those ones are super old. But right. Beauty and the I've Beast got- is only the recent of the new... The new age where they're taking those mid '90s movies. Well, and I've got the list of of ones that are supposedly coming out. Right. Some of them are more firm than others, yeah. but you got Mulan. Yep. Um, you've got Lion King, which is the weirdest one because there's not a human in it. No, exactly. Or even someone that resembles. That's a human. why, like, like it's when full I listen off those Pixar movies, like those remakes are more plausible because they star human sure. beings. Uh, so. Then you got Dumbo. Uh huh. Aladdin. Yep, directed by Kai Ritchie, which is... Have you heard the recent rumor for Aladdin that he wants Tom Hardy as Jafar? I heard. Which is fucking crazy. Like, on a number number one, Tom Hardy would make a crazy good Jafar. But number two, we're really going to do this again? We're casting a bunch of white people? You know who they first tried for Genie, right? Supposedly. Who? Kevin Hart. Now, guess who they're rumored to be going after? Who? Will Smith. Man. Those are super interesting choices. They are least. super interesting. Those are big shoes to fill. Those are big shoes. Or a, big, I, a big lamp to fill. I wouldn't want. I wouldn't want to follow up Robin Williams. Fuck no. Not even. Not even that long. Not, not even yet. that long. Uh, Christopher Robin. So Winnie the Pooh. One. Winnie the Pooh. Oliver Twist. Okay. Uh, here's one. So most all of those have been kind of the standard Disney animated films. Okay. Right. Right. The ones that came in the thick. Uh, Thick cases. Yeah. Um, but James and the Giant Peach was more of your... That was your little weird, kooky Tim, Tim Burton. Tim Burton. No, it wasn't Tim Burton. It I was know. Uh, La- Lockia. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that one's another one. It was... Uh-huh. Uh, then you got Cruella. So another 101 Dalmatians focused on... I, I went on a rant when Maleficent came out, and it's on it's on my Facebook page. I'll have to find it, where I predicted like, what are we gonna do? Are we gonna do this for every villain? Like, we're Cru- we're gonna make a movie about Cruella where she's misunderstood, and then they did this shit. Do you think we're gonna get like a Suicide Squad esque version where it like takes all the <laughs> all the Disney villains together? Oh my together? god, dude! Um, um, so you got Cruella, which is rumored to be Emma Stone. Yeah, um, which was great casting. Sure. Just keep her, keep her the villain. Then you got Tink. So apparently, apparently, uh, Hollywood has heard uh, heard the cries for female leads yeah. because you got back to back. I think Reese Witherspoon was going to be a part of Tink. So uh, that's the rumor. Yeah. Um, then you've got Peter Pan. And really, haven't we gotten enough live action Peter Pans? I don't know. We've gotten quite a few. See, the that's the thing that's about another that's another one that will be interesting. Is do they go, you know, step for step with the animated version of Peter Pan? Because right. we've had so many different versions. We've never had a live action of verba- verbatim the Peter Pan from the animation. Not from the animation. Where no, it's but got Peter that, Pan's like public domain, so yeah. anybody can make. Peter you can make Pan it whatever movies. you want. Same yeah. thing with Little Mermaid. Yep, which is the next one, Little Mermaid, mm-hmm. Sword in the Stone. Which, Didn't we just see King Arthur? Didn't they just remake yeah, that movie? Yeah, why don't we just... Guy Ritchie Should just... have, yeah. <laughs> uh, Pinocchio. And those are the ones right now. Now, listen. Didn't Jonathan Taylor Thomas say all that we needed to say about a live-action <laughs> Pinocchio? Like, did, come on now. 
did we really? Um, what are you trying to say involved? about JTT? Who was involved with that one? I remember reading that somebody was involved with that uh, one. There was rumors that like Robert Downey Jr. That's involved what it was. with it. Yeah, 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 that's what it was. But then you got your Aladdins, you know, your Jungle Book 2s. There's a Little Mermaid one that uh, Chloe Grace Moretz was uh, rumored to be a part of, and Sofia Coppola was actually going to direct for the longest time. Well, poor Andy Serkis <laughs> decided to do a Jungle Book movie. But got oh, beat yeah. to the punch by Disney, and uh, now I think I bet you that movie's done, and he's just like waiting for enough time yeah, what to are we pass. Gonna do? Um, that's actually a really great point. I totally forgot that they were making a second Jungle Book movie that had like an amazing cast of, of really good cast of, of voices like Christian Bale, like Kate Blanchett, all star cast. Yeah, good luck. Good luck after the first one was John near perfect. Literally the perfect Jungle Book movie, like yep. live action wise or anything. So good luck. Best of luck to you. Yeah, because I if I mean if I'm being honest, when both were announced, I was probably more excited about the Andy Circus right. one than I was this one, and they just crushed it. That I'm like, there's not really much. To, I mean, it's basically mic drop. Right. At this point, right. Um, so we'll we'll see what it has. But then again, there was a Ants and a Bug's Life that came out in the same year too. So there's always been. It's always happened. Volcano and Dante's Peak, Deep Impact and Armageddon. But these all are, great movies. All great movies. <laughs> all fine. Um, but these aren't coming out in the same year. Um, but that I feel is probably a pretty good segue into our top ten for this particular episode, and it's super easy. Top ten favorite animated films. And again, when we do our top tens, these are our favorites. These are not the best. No. You know, because the best animated film of all time is probably what, like, if I had to tell, if I, if I had to come to your head right now, what's the best? Not your favorite. What's the best animated film of all time? Oh, man. Right? I didn't prep you for this That's one. It's a pretty tough, pretty tough question. It I is. mean, I don't know. I, uh, it's a podcast suicide right now. This is. <laughs> I, I mean, would say, gun to my head, I would I would genuinely say the first movie that pops in my head is Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Oddly enough, like that's the movie that pops into my head. That I mean, movie had more accolades. That movie is so well done from an animation level, from a story level, from a song level. Everything about that movie is is peak. I mean, for me, it'd be Toy Story, but right. But. But it's, I mean, that's another thing, is that sort of kicked off a new generation of animation, uh, new generation of stories, yep. and things like that, too. So um, I think you couldn't go wrong with either of those from that sure. standpoint. Sure. Um, and we're completely discount, and, and again, we completely discount, like, the Miyazaki films, because we don't watch sure. those a ton. Sure. Or, or the Ardman films, the Wallace and Gromit, and the stop-motion animation and stuff. Yeah. But, like, there have been very, very few films that have gotten, like, 100% Rotten Tomatoes. All right. Um, and let's all of your, yours. Let's hear your top 10. All of yours. Toy Story 2 was, like, 100%. All right. My top 10. And you know what, David? I did keep it at a top 10 this year. And I'm, I'm proud gonna, of you. I'm going to – or this year, this time. I am going to – there are so many more that aren't on this list, though. Like, I just – okay, I can't do it. i got to give one shout-out. Okay, one shout-out that's not on my top 10. I that just, lasted about – Ten seconds so of you close. keeping to ten. But um, this is not in my film, and I feel like this film does not get enough love, but The Hunchback of Notre Dame 
is such an underrated Disney film. And it is a beautiful. It is beautifully animated. The songs are, are gorgeous and they are haunting and delightful. And it has one of the. I genuine genuinely believe it has the best Disney villain in in Frollo because he is he's literally the worst. He is a religious zealot hypocrite who like every other Disney villain's like I'm bad. I know it. I'm doing my song about how bad I am. And Frollo's song is about, like, how I am righteous, I am just in my cause, help me, help me burn these sinners, and shit. It's called Hellfire, for crying out loud. And that's such a unique version of a villain for Disney. He's literally the worst. So that's my, that's not in my top ten, but I needed to put it out there. So um, let's go, let's crank through these top ten here. Now, a lot of these are modern films, and like I said before, we don't watch a lot of uh, Miyazaki movies unfortunately so like like my pal totoro or princess Mononoke, like those aren't on here um but i start off with how to train your dragon which is the only dreamworks movie i have on here um i already said before that i think dreamworks is uh schizophrenic <laughs> in the movies that they make um, because they make beautiful movies with themes like How to Train Your Dragon and Kung Fu Panda. And like, Shrek. And sh- well, no, not even Shrek. Fuck Shrek. All right? Onions have layers. Onions do have layers, and Parfait has layers. But How to Train Your Dragon <laughs> was so beautiful, and it was a movie with stakes. Um, the ending of that film, where they're both wounded, and they're, they share a kinship in their wounds, uh, really is a beautiful thing. And the music is the Academy Award-nominated score by John Powell, some of the best music in animated films of the last, I don't know, couple of decades. It's just beautiful, excellent, sweeping, epic, gorgeous film. Number nine, I have The Rescuers Down Under. Um, almost for the exact same reasons for How to Train Your Dragon. It is a gorgeous movie. I, I grew up, I watched The Rescuers Down Under before I knew there was a Rescuers movie. Yep. So I didn't know this was a sequel. Um, I just thought it was mice who are secret agents helping out kids who are in trouble had a great villain in the poacher McLeach voiced voiced by George C. Scott had beautiful animation, had a wonderful score. Those are the things that I remember about those movies the most is their music because their music was huge and sweeping and emotional. Well, and I mean, they were iconic too in that all you got to do is hear the music and you know what movie it is. You know what movie it is. Like I know, Test Drive from How to Train Your Dragon. I know that song. I know that track. I know... Like, I know the rescuers Mm -hmm. from Down Under. I know that music. And it's it's great for a road trip. If you're driving through the mountains, if you're driving (laughs) through the mountains, play some of that shit and tell me it's not the best drive you've ever had. It really puts it into a different context. Number eight is the first of many Pixar movies that I have on here is The Incredibles, uh, which is the best Fantastic Four movie that's ever been made. They, <laughs> they can't seem to make a legit Fantastic Four movie, but they did in The Incredibles. That's the best Fantastic Four movie ever made. Literally one of the best superhero movies ever made. Brad It put Brad Bird on the map, um, even more so than his, his first film, which we'll be talking about in just a second. Mm-hmm. Again, beautiful score by Michael Giacchino, beautiful composition, beautiful animation, uh, and a good villain. 
Like, that's really what it takes to put an animated movie together. Like, bring all these story points, points together. Now, number seven is going to completely turn all of everything that I said just on its ear. <laughs> because everything that I said goes out the window with Rango. And I think Rango is super underrated. No one talks about Rango anymore. This movie won Gore Verbinski an Oscar. Gore Verbinski directed Rango. Mm -hmm. It won him his Oscar for Best Animated Film. Um, before he, or not before, but after he directed all the Pirates movies and things like that. Same thing with George Miller, oddly enough. George Miller obviously is known as a big action director because he directed the Mad Max movies. But did you know that George Miller's Oscars came from Happy Feet, of all things? That George Miller is an Oscar winner for fucking Happy Feet. But Rango is such a weird fucking little movie. It's so weird. But the, the character design is so unique and kind of gross. And the music is great. But the reason I like Rango the most is because it is, it's slightly adult. They mm -hmm. have a couple of swear words in there. And I, I, liked, I like to think of it as a gateway movie for kids. Like, I love animated movies that are, are just, are, are still kids' movies, but they're just edgy enough for kids to feel cool to watch them. Like, I think they say damn in Rango. And that makes kids feel, ooh, 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 I saw an adult movie, they said damn. <laughs> but, like, movies like Rango, make, uh, hopefully, will lead kids to seek out westerns. Like, because that is a very western movie. Mm -hmm. And a very weird Western movie. That is a kid's movie with Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas and Hunter S. Thompson references. <laughs> and I love that about it. Number six, I have Ratatouille, which is the best movie about um, criticism. It's, it's a beautiful thing about criticism and finding love in what you do. And that final sequence where Ego, the film, the not the film critic, although one could say that it's about film critics as much as it is about food critics. <laughs> but when Ego takes a bite of that ratatouille, and the whole way that they shoot that sequence where he just zooms back into his own childhood, is a beautiful visualization of what it's like to be hit right in the right in the feels. We don't need to go down the movie critics rabbit no, we're hole not gonna, with you. I'm not gonna, I'm not, we're, gonna, we're not gonna light that up today. <laughs> we're not gonna light that firecracker today. Um, number five, I have An American Tale. I mentioned it before. Don Bluth bringing out um, a really unique style of animation back in the 80s and 90s. Uh, obviously, Five Mouskowitz. But what's really cool about The American Tale is it's, it's an immigration story. Mm -hmm. The Mouskowitz family. You know, it's, it's a Jewish immigration story, a, a, a Polish Jew's immigration story um, told with mice and cats. And it has some really great songs in it. Some really, somewhere out there is an excellent song. No Cats in America, which is bullshit, is a great song. Dom DeLuise as Tiger, the cat. Mm -hmm. uh, that movie is, is lovely and just a really, really enjoyable. But also really dark, too. Like when they, when they release their giant rat mm -hmm. at the end, like that's some, that's some creepy ass shit. Um, but it's really just, I love An American Tale. That one's this pure nostalgia pick for me. Number four, I have Up, which is, uh, like, for no other reason, it's such an emotionally did you harrowing cry? Did film. you cry in Up? Oh, 1,000% I cried <laughs> in Up. I don't know, did you cry in Up? I did not, but... Well, that's because you're a Canadian with a black hole where your heart should it's be. It's true, but I feel like 
of all the Pixar movies, that's the movie like regularly I hear people say I cried in that movie. Yeah, but not you. Not <laughs> There's something wrong with you, man. The first 10 minutes of Up are some of the best, without any music being, or without any dialogue being told, they're some of the best 10 minutes of film. They tell such a full and complete story, which is visual and song. And this is, this is a movie that won Michael Giacchino an Oscar for his score. But it's a great advent. It's funny. It's super fucking funny. It's a great adventure movie. Mm-hmm. It's a great movie about moving on and living your life. And it's fucking beautiful. It's so beautiful. Number three, I have The Little Mermaid. Of all of the traditional Disney animated films on here, I have The Little Mermaid. Oddly enough, I don't know why I like this movie more than Aladdin or Beauty and the Beast or things like that. Maybe it's the music. Is that why you have an aerial tattoo on you? It's true. That's why I sing part of part an of that aerial tr- aerial uh, tramp stamp. Yep, right there, right right above the crack. I got that the <laughs> that redheaded mermaid right there. Um, that's not true at all. For those of you listening who don't know me, that is not true. We could have some kind of contest where if Rick loses, nope. he's got to get. That will not be. That will not be the tattoo that I get, David. Uh, no, it's the same thing. It's a beautiful film. It's so wonderfully animated. The music is iconic. The songs in that movie, almost all the way through, are are home runs. They're they're excellent. Movies. It is one of the best soundtracks of all. It really is. It, it Disney really movies. is. And, and Ursula is such a great villain. And, and as you see, like, this is just, everything is the same. Great villain, great soundtrack, iconic animation. That's what got you on my list. Number two, Wally, which has no great villain. And in my opinion, doesn't have even that great of music, although there are some wonderful music cues in that movie. Wally is the greatest love story ever told. And it's between two <laughs> robots, David. It's a better love story than Twilight. It's a better love story than Star Wars Episode Two, like between two animated robots. You didn't set the bar very high. No, I didn't. But those movies tried to be love stories between actual human beings and failed miserably. And I, I have a very personal connection with Wally. You know, who would just be very happy to hold Eve's hand. And there are some sequences in that film that are absolutely beautiful. The Define dancing sequence when they're in space. Mm-hmm is breathtaking. And not to mention the fact that the whole first 15, 20 minutes are completely silent. Mm -hmm. Like, that's not easy to do at all. Really just great silent film style animation. And then this is no surprise. This is no surprise to you. This is no (laughs) surprise to the people who know me. But my number one favorite, most favorite animated film of all time is, and it is, and I I should have answered this correctly uh, when Gun Held to My Head, best animated film ever made. It's the Iron Giant, and there's no questions. There's no it's ands, or buts about it. The Iron Giant is damn near a perfect film. It might be Vin Diesel's best, finest performance on film. <laughs> it is beautifully animated in, a, in, a, in, a, in that vintage retro hand-animated style, but it also has some really good computer graphics inlaid in there as well. The Iron Giant's a perfect film. It's... I'm so happy that we never got a sequel because the ending of that movie is don't, perfect. Don't uh, don't tempt your fate there. Don't don't make a sequel to the Iron Giant. Just let it be. Let it be perfect, because it is perfect. And the story of a boy and his giant and teaching that 
you are who you choose to be. Like, you don't have to be what people tell you you are. Um, told under the veil of of the threat of cold nuclear war, like, that's so, it's so good. Are we noticing a theme here that probably if you ask the majority of people, their two favorite Vin Diesel characters are both, well, animated, animated characters in baby in baby group and iron giant not my mom my mom loves vin diesel <laughs> give it put another movie of vin diesel in the rock she's in on it she loves it but yeah vin diesel's probably two most beloved characters are iron giant and baby group yep that's not even a question so that is my top 10 the iron giant is the greatest animated film of all time no if ands or buts about it anybody who says anything different is wrong well then, I guess I'm wrong. Yep, you're wrong. And I say that I say that facetiously. That's not true. There is no right or wrong answer to what your favorite movie is. That's so I, the whole point of all of this. So my thing with animated, and I'm going to go into my top ten list and take half the time that Rick took. Um, but my you're thing with doing that. My thing with animated movies is to me they're more nostalgia than anything. Like because we're both. We're both now in our 30s. You know, we're not going there necessarily with the same type of anticipation. Like when we talk about Cars 3, I think we both weren't necessarily disappointed we were in there watching Cars 3. But at the same time, like, it's not like we've been counting down the days till Cars 3. Like we looked at the calendar for podcasts and we said, well, I guess we do Cars 3. Uh, <laughs> so it's not like we're in that point we're anticipating. So most of this is nostalgia. You with Iron Giant. You with Wally, you know, all those. Sure. Most of these, you don't really have. You got Rango up and How to Train Your Dragon, which are probably the only ones made in the 2000s. I guess well, maybe I had, about, about I half Wally. years. I had Wally. That's right. You, you got a little bit more. So my list is mostly favored on ones from my childhood. Okay. So yours is a so, little bit more nostalgic. A little bit more nostalgic for gotcha. the most part. Um, we've got a couple repeats in there. Uh, number 10 for me, and it's a little bit different. I don't know if it uh, belongs in its own category, but number 10 for me is actually a recent one, Lego Movie. Okay. So that one to me was one that, again, I think I favor the the movies that have that, that I can still watch today a little bit. So a combo of nostalgia, but also enjoyable for me to watch today. Like I would, I would go, I would, I wouldn't be mad about watching Lego movie again. And I think you, for the amount of time you played that song in the office, I think you at least liked the uh, soundtrack of Lego movie. <laughs> oh yeah. Everything uh, is awesome. Everything is awesome. Everything is awesome. That's the theme theme song N of my life. Number nine for me, same from your list, How to Train Your Dragon. Great movie. Great movie. Um, you beat that one down, so I won't uh, go into <laughs> it anymore. <laughs> you agree with everything that no, I said? Number eight, and maybe this one's cheating a little bit, but I went down the route of split between animation and and live. Mm. Space Jam. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. Listen, this is my favorite movies. This isn't the best movies. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it's an animated film. I guess. Other than Michael Jordan, pretty much every character in that movie for the mo Bill majority. Murray. Bill Murray. Some and, respect. Uh, and Wayne Knight. And Wayne Knight. Some respect, please, <laughs> for Bill Murray and Wayne Knight. <laughs> I love them both. Um, and that's a big reason why that movie is one of my favorites. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's just like iconic 
to me and my childhood, you know, obviously being someone that loves sports and that it, it, it brought over some of my favorite animated. I was all into the Bugs Bunny, the Warner Brothers, sure. all those uh, animated characters and to have them combined with sports for me. I loved it. Uh, but definitely not one of the best movies of all time, but one of my favorite, of your favorites. animated movies of all time. Absolutely. Uh, Seven's Ratatouille. Pretty much everything that you said on that, Perfect. I agree with. Um, one that actually I didn't see right away, but then I saw it and I loved it. It was awesome. Um, number six for me, Rescuers Down Under. Okay. So that's another one that was one of those ones that I would pop in when I... Like, that really came out right in the perfect time for people of our age. Well, and it's a it's a true adventure movie too. Yeah. Like you 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 could take that same story, take live people, tweak a little bit aspects of it, but you could easily make like a successful action film action adventure film sure. out of it. Absolutely. Which they probably will at some point. At some point. Um, number five. Funny enough, we both had the same series at number five. You went American Tale. You went Five I went Goes Five West. Goes West. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about I thought about it too. Give them the lazy eye. I love Five Goes West. I really do. While I will fully admit American Tale is the better movie. Yeah. The movie I enjoyed more as a kid and even look back more nostalgic on. Yeah. Is Five Goes West. Mouseburgers. Mouseburgers. John yep. Cleese. Yeah. As the villain. Absolutely. Oh man. That movie was so much fun for yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, I loved yeah, it. yeah, 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 yeah. I, I might have to amend mine. You might be right. Like, I, I know this isn't about being right and wrong, <laughs> but you might be right. I might have to put Five Will Goes West in there. Oh, I love that movie. Um, number four, my favorite of the traditional, I would say, so you had Little Mermaid as your favorite of the traditional. Mm -hmm. For me, it was Robin Hood. Uh, okay. And not because, again, not that it's the best one. It's a story we already know. Not because but it's still animation from the Jungle Book. You know what? Borrowed or used. Yeah, I think, I think so. it was like having the same actor act in multiple movies. Like you, <laughs> you, had, you had Baloo in both movies. It's like having the same actor give the identical performance in both movies. Baloo played, uh, Baloo has uh, Jungle Book and he has uh, yeah. Little John. Yeah. In, and the only in difference Robin is in, in Robin Hood, he wears a hat. <laughs> exactly. But you're right. Robin Hood's pretty good. Robin Hood's one of, I had a weird dream one time that I was in that movie and there was a sense of like um, uh, stakes, you know, like when Robin Hood's doing the competition and when like there are guards all around and things like that. There's something about Robin Hood and the stakes of being few amongst many mm -hmm. that is really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and uh, that is by far the movie that I sing the most. Really? Which or is, or whistle. Which is oh the, okay. the gotcha. That one? I remember that. Uh, I was gonna say because otherwise I don't remember anything else about The only that one, one is the opening song where it's Robin Hood and Little John running through the gotcha. forest. Wow, yeah. yeah, shit. Yeah. You remember a lot about that movie. Yeah, I watched it all the time. Um number three for me, and this one probably if I was doing best movie, maybe even better than the original. Uh, but Toy Story three, that movie was so good when Did it came. Did you cry? Out. I didn't cry in that Jesus one. Jesus Christ, man! What's the matter with you? <laughs> Fuck. Uh, it definitely pulled on the heartstrings. Okay, so. <laughs> what heart? I'm like, it's like the scene from uh, The Grinch where uh, his heart, heart grew, grew a little bit? three sizes or whatever. How do you not? Cry? Oh, okay. 
I mean, it's on your list. I guess it's it can't a, be too. It's mad. top three. Second, um, probably the funniest animated movie, in my opinion. My favorite. Like, it was a full-on comedy. Um, Emperor's New Groove. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that movie. Yeah, that I, movie's a straight comedy. I will still laugh at that movie if I was to watch it. Like, And maybe it's because I'm still partly a child at, at times. That's true, but but you're right. David Spade cr- crushed that. He crushed it. Kuzco, John Goodman, Yzma, Kronk. Yeah, Kronk was hilarious. Kronk was, bef- Kronk was Gronk before Gronk was oh, yeah. Gronk. Yeah, yep. <laughs> It was uh, it was awesome. I love that movie. All so right, many I good like characters. It. And then lastly, uh, the original and my favorite, Toy Story. Can't beat it. You I loved it. It's a good movie. It's a great so movie. You've a got, you know, basically, for me, I think the reason Toy Story hit so close is because like that was, that was what you did. That's what I did growing up. I right. collect all my different toys and. And right. just make stories out of it. And so that's like what that was about. The like the kid and his toys. And then I the funny thing is is I identified with both Andy and Sid because I also enjoyed <laughs> okay. blowing up toys that's, I did <laughs> as too. a child. I crushed I destroyed a lot of toys and a lot of But there was weird there ways. was there was toys. Usually it was like the sacrificial lambs were like things like I had like at Halloween one time for some reason they were handing out like these Pillsbury Doughboys. So like Okay. It's not like I'm going to play with those and no. like incorporate them into well anything I was up. doing. So why not blow them up? So I would cut. I would have my Jurassic Park figures and I would cut their arm or their leg off and then reattach it with using sticky tack. <laughs> then that way, when the dinosaurs bit them, they could rip their <laughs> legs off and the sticky tack looked like flesh. I was a fucked up little kid. Uh, full disclosure. Um, that's how I. That's how I mutilated my toys. I mutilated them so I could play with them in more detailed ways. There you go. So, but th- that's my top ten. Again, it's more. Uh, it's it's by no means the best ten animated movies, it's, but those are my favorite. It's so. a good top ten. It's a good top ten. And we want to know. We here at the Popcorn Diet want all of you good movie buddies to tell us what your favorite animated films are. Particularly though, we want to also hear like what your favorite animated Disney short films might be as well. Now we didn't talk about short films a lot here, but they are just as diverse and they're just as varied as the animated films. So whether they be the Pixar shorts or whether they be animated films in general, we want to hear from you about what your favorite animated films of all time are. Quick answer. First one that comes to mind, favorite of the shorts. Yes. For you. For me? Um, oh Jesus. Um, 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 I'll go first. Yes. It's, uh, I don't remember the title of it, but it's when the old guy's playing chess with himself in the park. Okay. Uh, I remember Paper Man. Which one was that one again? That's the one where the guy sees a girl and throws the paper airplane and it flies all around and stuff like that. I, I just, it's. You really are just a romantic I'm a hopeless, sap. At, I'm a hopeless, hopeless romantic, romantic sap. Yeah. Um, I want to take just a couple of minutes though and. Uh, okay, go ahead. One other, one other thing. Yes. Where do you, you didn't, you didn't give any props to your boy, Steven Spielberg, Adventures of Tintin. That's true. I didn't. I, I mean, Tintin's a great adventure. It's, fuck you. <laughs> Tintin's a, Adventures of Tintin's a great, a great animated film and a great action adventure film. But it didn't make my top ten. Sorry, Spielberg. That was a a lot of sequels that year. That was when Rango came out. Okay. Tintin came out. But then you had Kung Fu Panda 2, Cars 2, Happy Feet 2. A lot of sequels. Puss in Boots. Wow. 
and then Rio. Tintin was great. Tintin is a great film. It's got it's animated, but it has one of the best one shot takes of an action movie that you could never do in real life. Um, <laughs> it's animated, so it doesn't feel quite as impressive. But the 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 the, the pure the genius, way they made it feel like like it was a yeah, live movie. The that pure genius on display in that movie, in terms of a directing standpoint, is, don't try is, to suck up to him now. Is Spielberg's greatest, and you can't make me feel bad about that. Um, but before we get into the discussion about Cars 3, I want to go back and uh, into our last podcast where we posed the question of who people should think about uh, casting in the Marvel, not the Marvel, <laughs> although I have Marvel the on dark the brain, universe. in the Universal Dark Universe. And we got some, we got some replies. We got some really good replies here. Uh, Leah Theodosis gave us a couple here. Um, one that I really think was a good idea was Amelia Clark who is uh, Khaleesi on Game of Thrones as the Bride of Frankenstein. I think that's a really interesting idea. I think she's a little too pretty. She's gorgeous. I love Amelia Clark. I do, in a big, bad way. Straight, red-blooded American male right here. Um, but I think that that's really interesting casting. And Leah also mentioned casting, um, even though they already have Frankenstein casts with Javier Bardem, she mentioned uh, a guy, uh, an actor by the name of Brad William Hankey, who is from Orange is the New Black, as being Frankenstein's monster. And a lot of people seem to agree with that. Uh, as far as the Wolfman goes, we had Robert Ensley suggest Gerard Butler as the Wolfman, um, bringing in Christian Bale as Phantom of the Opera, which is super interesting, and having Dr. Frankenstein being played by Jim Carrey. How do you feel about that? It's been a while since we've had Jim Carrey do anything. A serious drama role. Yeah, I, I'd be in. He, he, need, he needs alive. he needs something to uh, needs something to revive. We got to bring him back. Yeah, um, he needs a kickstart. Uh, Charlie. Charlie suggested Idris Elba for Dracula. Okay. Which we I could definitely I see. Could see. Jesse Eisenberg for the Wolfman, which goes a little towards the casting that I like which is casting a total opposite guy as the Wolfman. Now, I don't know how Eisenberg would do in the makeup. Kind of would remind me, I feel like, of uh, Michael J. Fox. Teen Wolf? Teen Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I actually really like the idea of Christian Bale as the Wolfman. Okay. I feel like that's something that, no pun intended, he could really sink his teeth into. Uh, he also suggested... There was pun intended in that. <laughs> there was pun intended. I apologize for that. Uh, Bride of Frankenstein, Susan Sarandon. Oh. Of all people. All right. Which I think she could play she very, very could. well. Uh, we have Jeremy Nakano, who didn't suggest anything beyond Keanu. <laughs> Just put Keanu in there. Just fill him in for any of those? Just put him in as John Wick in the monster universe. Who cares? <laughs> Keanu was already in, in the Dracula We are movie. back into peak Keanu. We there's are not back many, into There's peak not Keanu. many times where you get... Two peaks. Two peaks. Keanu's he back, has baby. Matrix peak, and he has now... John Wick Pete. Cash, could you picture him as Dracula? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever character you need to give him, he needs to be one of the ones that doesn't have doesn't talk very much. And then maybe Ka maybe Frankenstein. Yeah. <laughs> Keanu is Frankenstein? Oh my god. <laughs> no, because then he'd have to emote with his face. That's true. That's a problem. That's true. Invisible man. Invisible man. Perfect. There you go. Crushed it. Perfect. Um, and then Thomas Niederheiser suggested, and he's a magnificent son of a bitch for suggesting this, Bobcat Goldthwait as Frankenstein. 
Is he still alive? You bastard. Yeah, he's still alive. <laughs> just... He's still doing it. So thank you all to those who, who uh, put in your suggestions here. Um, Great suggestion. Leah also suggested Helena Bonham Carter for The Bride of Frankenstein. Which I feel is a pretty solid For sure. fit. That's, that's solid. That's a pretty great fit. But again, we want to know what your favorite animated films of all time are, whether they be short films or whether they be long films. And now's the time where we're going to get into the movie of the week, Cars 3. We've already talked about it before. Um, and I just want to get straight into it. No spoilers right off the bat, if anybody even gives a shit about spoilers for Cars 3. But Cars 3 was... Well regarded, uh, a return to form, as many have said. Uh, I actually really enjoyed Cars 2. I thought the the tonal shift, Cars 1 obviously was basically Doc uh, Doc Hollywood, I think it was what it was called, with Michael J. Fox. Big shot, coming to a small town and learning how to be not a dick. And so that was pretty much Cars 1. Cars 2 just took a fucking 180 and just decided to be a straight spy movie with... Cars getting murdered and a whole plot to blow things up, which a lot of people really shit on because they made Larry the Cable Guy the main character. I totally understand that. But I actually really liked Cars 2 because of that huge change, because they tried to do something big and different with it. Cars 3 now has come out, and it was presented as the Rocky 3 of this Cars series, as Lightning McQueen... Coming, getting, getting knocked out. The young, hot, up-and-comer coming in and throwing the knockout punch to Lightning McQueen. And was he's got to get back the eye of the tiger. Was it presented that way or is that how you that interpreted it? The, the first trailer for this movie, David, was racing and McQueen flipping through the air and saying, everything will change. That is how they sold this movie, as McQueen getting fucked up. And having to come back to power. That's how every trailer has sold it. That is how the synopsis has sold it. The synopsis sold it as Rocky 3. Give me a second and allow me to read you the synopsis for Cars 3. Blindsided by a new generation of blazing fast cars, the legendary Lightning McQueen finds himself pushed out of the sport that he loves. Hoping to get back in the game, he turns to Cruz Ramirez, an eager young technician who has her own plans for winning. With inspiration from the fabulous Hudson Hornet and a few unexpected turns, number 95 prepares to compete on Piston Cup Racing's greatest stage. Number 95. Number 95. That's not, Lightning McQueen's not number. Not Lightning McQueen. We're going to get to this. They specifically, yeah, we'll get to this. I would like to follow that up by reading the synopsis to Rocky Three. Rocky Three synopsis. Having become the world heavyweight champion, former world-class boxer Rocky Balboa is rich and famous beyond his wildest dreams, which has made him lazy and overconfident. In a double whammy, he loses his trainer and father figure Mickey and then has his title stolen by the arrogant, menacing challenger Clubber Lang. Turning to his former adversary, Apollo Creed, for help, Rocky struggles to get his old fire back. Almost the same. Not even. Yeah. <laughs> Guys on top. Guys on top. Cars on top, guys on top. Car gets knocked down a peg, guy gets knocked down a peg. Guy, car turns to a, 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 a unique source of training. Rocky turns to a unique source of training. What's the goal? The goal is to get the eye of the tiger back, to go back and to beat this young hotshot son of a bitch. Now, before we get into the actual story points, I do want to say that for the most part, this movie is fine. It's, it's, it's a fine kids movie. The animation is absolutely gorgeous in this movie. 
Um, there are there were parts of this movie where I was marveling at just like the reflection in Lightning McQueen's body, for lack of a better word, and his fender, where you could see the reflection of the windows that he's looking into, or the tiny scuff marks. The, all of the little details, it is a beautiful, beautifully animated film. That being said, the voice work is fine. It, it feels like Owen Wilson is doing an Owen, Owen Wilson impression when he does Lightning McQueen's voice. <laughs> like, he just slips into full, well, gee, gosh, I'm Owen Wilson. Like, he just slips right into that. And... You know, it's... I thought it was the story about... Lightning McQueen, and for about three quarters of the movie, that's what it's about. I will say the one last thing about it is I've realized that I am just not a Randy Newman fan. As a composer, as a, as a musical artist, I thought one of the biggest weak spots of this movie was the score, particularly during the racing scenes. Those racing scenes should have a level of tension. And when you have this cheery, happy-go-lucky bullshit trumpet during a fucking race, you are removing any tension for me that should be felt here. And I just felt Randy Newman really whiffed it on this score. I, I really didn't I really didn't like the way that it fit the movie. Um, I really didn't like it. Uh, but, uh, you know, again, if you like the Cars movies or if you have kids or if you're a Pixar purist, this is fine. There's, there's there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think it's their worst movie, um, but I think that as far as animation goes, they just, they're just they the best in the game. They can't be beat. They're really good. It had some really good nostalgia factors to it, bringing back Paul Newman with voiceovers and whatnot, but it was all right. How would you feel about it before we get into spoilers? As somebody who, who wasn't excited about going in. No, I've even... As the credits or as the uh, preview started, I turned to you and said, "I'm kind of bummed out that I'm here watching Cars yeah. on a Friday I night." Made, I made you do this, <laughs> but um, I thought it was it was fine. I mean, it was. I never have been a huge fan of the Cars franchise to begin with. Okay. Um, the first one looked fantastic. I enjoyed the characters, but at the end of the day. That was probably around the time where I started thinking, like, am I starting to get too old for animated movies? Certain animated movies, at Certain least. animated movies, at least. Um, but it was still it was still an enjoyable movie. I still thought it was good. Um, I thought Cars 2 was unnecessary. I mean, if, if there was one character in the first Cars that I probably enjoyed less than the average person that saw it, it was Larry the Cable Guy and he's And, and he's reined in for this one. Yeah. Um, so they rein him in. They don't overuse him like they obviously. I mean, he was the main character right. in Cars too. Could have been <laughs> that movie. Could have easily have just been called Mater too. Right. Um, but, anyways, uh, going into Car Three, Cars Three, I had very low expectations. Um, but being someone that doesn't read spoilers and didn't know what was going to happen, yeah, it was pretty easy early on to understand where this story was going. Um, but I did, um, I did really enjoy, um, as I went through the movie, or as we went through the movie, I enjoyed some of the, the new characters they introduced. And it was kind of like your standard story that's been told many times before of aging, aging veteran, 
passing on to the next generation, which will lead into our spoilers. But mm-hmm. overall, I thought it was fine. Um, Music-wise, there's nothing memorable in it. I don't think I had... I, I don't listen to the score quite like you. But even the songs. As in, but, like, there was a couple points in the race where I felt like it almost sounded Star Wars-esque at times. Um, How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> not, not from a quality, but, like... Kind of the the mood or the feel or the sound of it kind of reminded me almost Star Wars esque. It wasn't uh, it wasn't anywhere on the same level as that. Sure. But I mean, your Randy Newman dis- distaste is probably why Toy Story wasn't anywhere in your top ten too. It's not Randy Newman's fault. It's there are other issues involved there. <laughs> there are other larger issues involved there. So let's just, so let's get into some more details. The uh, the spoilers. So I would say okay, my so recommendation is it's a it's a solid movie. Definitely, if you have kids, you're not going to be waiting for the movie to end from that standpoint. Sure. But it's uh it's it's nothing special, but it's definitely a solid movie and looks looks fantastic. Yeah, it's so. it's fine. It's yep. it's inoffensive. Big spoilers from this point on. This movie takes a. 180 turn about three quarters of the way through the movie that I felt completely betrayed the first three quarters of the movie and completely had nothing to do with what this movie pr- proposed to be about. Uh, by when Light- Lightning McQueen gets his ass beat and the whole movie, Jackson Storm beat his ass and he wants to get back. He's got to get the eye of the tiger back. I gotta get back and beat Jackson Storm. Well, you're not gonna be as fast as him, so you gotta you gotta race smarter than him. They build this whole thing up about how we're gonna get old Lightning McQueen to be better. We're gonna get old Lightning McQueen to be smarter, to be faster, or not faster, but to be smarter and use tricks and use his his skills to beat Jackson Storm. And this one, he's watching clips of Jackson Storm talking shit. He's all mad about it. And he's mad about how he can't, you know, how, how nobody's helping him. And he's got this young hotshot racer, this young hotshot trainer who's not doing a good job. And then about three quarters of the way through the movie, they start sprinkling these seeds in about how, like, suddenly, like, Lightning McQueen would be okay being a mentor. And how this racer or this trainer, Cruz Ramirez, Wanted to be a racer, but never fit in and never felt like... And and so, at the end of the movie, when the big race happens, Lightning McQueen races, I don't know, what, half the race? And then gives up. You do it, Cruz. You race this race. You belong out there. Which, to me, would be like if Rocky three, if Rocky fought the t- first two rounds and then was like... No, Apollo, like, you got to get back. This is about you, Apollo, and getting back in the ring. Like, this is Lightning McQueen's story. And the story that they wanted to tell was of him coming back and beating the young whippersnapper. But then they pivoted really abruptly in that last quarter, in my opinion, and decided, oh, no, in reality, it's this story. And I feel like those two stories aren't bad. I just feel like they're not the same movie. I just don't I just don't feel like I feel like him giving up the race negated f- at least 50% of the movie. 
Like, he doesn't even beat Jackson Storm. Yeah, he wins the race because of some bullshit rule. Because he started the race, but he never actually beats Jackson Storm, which was his whole goal. Question for you, though, here. So here, here's, my, here's my thoughts on it, is you came in, one, you knew what was going to happen in the movie, which yeah, so is, what? Is, is another whole story on its own. I wrote but an to, article, find to, it on the popcorndiet.com. To me, they tease it being about the trainer super early on. From the moment he walks into the test facility and he sees her on the simulator and he makes the comment about, Oh, she's she's really good. Is she a racer? Right. And he says, and the guy says, no, he's a tra- she's a she's trainer. trainer. She's just a trainer. And you start from that moment on getting little teases of she wishes she she should be a racer, but she could. I mean, the whole you're the the problem with your complaints about this, in my opinion, are you get to like the beach, right? He says, yeah. I'm going to go to the beach. It's kind of like. Rocky's going to go hit slabs of meat, right? If we're yeah. keeping with your Rocky three yeah. analogy. He's going to go chase chickens, you know, those types of things. i get back to my roots. His roots, right? So he's going back to the beach to his roots. But that entire scene is not about him going back to his roots. Like, it cha- as soon as they get to the beach, you realize this isn't about him. The entire scene he spends teaching her how to... Right race on the beach how to right. drive on the beach this is true so from that, that that point already you're seeing like if it if this was going to be rocky three at that point it would have been like him like barreling through like starting to see or or even running into hurdles and crashing and burning on the beach and realizing like oh maybe this isn't for me and then you get the next thing where they go to the demolition der- or end up in the demolition derby right. which is probably the best scene in the whole movie it is and You'd think that, like, okay, if this was Rocky three, right. he would have ended up winning that. Like, he would have done some spectacular things and ending up winning that. Right. Which it starts to go that way. Yeah. And then he gets stuck, and then it turns to be about her ending up. She wins it. Right. She's the one that does it and wins it. So, to me, I feel like you came in wanting it to be Rocky three. I was told it, it was Rocky three. But it told David. you from 15, 20 minutes into the movie, this is not Rocky three from. From there. And so then the movie was mismarketed. It wasn't mismarketed. It was mismarketed. This entire movie was marketed as Rocky Three, And they make this switch. Now listen, you're completely right. Like, you're completely right that they plant the seeds throughout the movie. To me, the entire movie is about he is getting passed up by the sport, right? Yeah. Like, he, it's the typical, you know, old veteran, not being up to stuff in the times they even sure. say they say you know when he goes and trains with Smokey and them right it's that was my one of my you're favorite slow. parts in the movie too you're slow now you're you're no longer fast you're slow that gave me what I wanted that gave me the sequence where it's like you can't race as fast so you're gonna have to use tricks that's the training montage I was waiting the whole fucking movie for but again you were told this isn't gonna end the way that you want it to when at the end of all of that, it leaves you on, if you're rooting for Lightning McQueen to beat uh, Storm, right? he gets beat by the girl. By Cruz. When he finally has that click moment where he finds his speed again, he gets beat by Cruz. Right. So at that point, like you knew he wasn't winning the race against Storm. Like 
going into that final scene, you knew he wasn't winning that. So to me, this movie was more about him making the transition to what's next and making the transition into the Paul Newman character from the first film. Right. That's what this movie was about and introducing the next level. Now, in my opinion, what you were hoping for, you were hoping for Rocky Three, and then if there was a fourth movie, it being uh, Creed. Yeah. Like, that's what you were expecting. Like, you were expecting this to be Rocky Three, one last title for Lightning McQueen. Yeah. And then if they made a fourth, it's him being the trainer and transitioning to the next generation. Because I, well, I, I think that that rule at the end is bullshit. Like, you started the race, so you won the race too. You didn't win the fucking race, Lightning. But you they, gave up midway. And so, Lightning, and, and, and for the main character of Lightning McQueen, who's been through all these movies. But he didn't give up. That's 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 up. that's where we see it differently. He the when he decides to give up on racing isn't when he suddenly realizes he can't keep up with the front. Like that's not when he gives in. He gives in when he hears on the radio the Sterling guy berating right. Cruz and telling her to leave. That's when he makes the decision that we're going to I'm going to stop chance. and we're going to put her in. It's not when he falls to the back of the field or that. That's not what makes him say, I'm not going to do this because Cruz is the one that can beat him. He doesn't say, Cruz, I can't beat them. Cruz can. Like, he's he was up towards the front. But he says, you know, I'm going to give this person a chance. It's it's not about me anymore. It's about... Because, like, your your whole first movie, was it was all about him, right? Yeah, it's all about me. I'm the best. But then it was about him getting knocked down a peg. Yeah. And realizing to be a decent person. I don't know. See, the funny thing is, is I don't disagree with you. You've actually broken down the story and the twists really, really well, but I still didn't fucking like it. <laughs> I know. It's the same reason. Here, here, I'll read a synopsis for you real quick. Frankie Dunn is a veteran Los Angeles boxer trainer who keeps almost everyone at arm's length except his old friend and associate, Eddie Scrap Iron Dupree. When Maggie Fitzgerald arrives at Frankie's gym seeking his expertise, I fucking hate. He is reluctant to train the young woman, a transplant from a working class Missouri. Eventually, he relents, and the two form a close bond that uh, uh, that changes them both. Yeah, Uh, number one, fuck you, (laughs) because and that's you're exactly right though. You're exactly right because that. Is the synopsis for Million Dollar Baby, and Million Dollar Baby is not a fucking boxing movie; it's a suicide movie. <laughs> and that synopsis is bullshit. Like, sell sell the movie you're making. Don't sell it to me as a boxing movie, and then give me fifty percent. Should I be allowed to die or not? Fuck you. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? For those oh that- my god, you were planning that. I know you were planning that. But that you you oddly enough, despite the fact that you've got me heated, that's exactly the problem that I have. I was not given the movie I was sold. And and while everything that you said is correct about Cars 3 and and you've actually been in a really good light that has has softened me on it as a film itself i think what i'm most upset about is that i didn't get the movie i was sold sure the trailer the trailer misled you as much as it's like saying. million dollar baby is considered by some to still be a really good movie not by me but by some to be a really good movie but it's not the movie i was sold here's the question for you if you never saw 
the million dollar baby trailer or the Cars 3 trailer, right. would you have enjoyed those movies more? Maybe. Who knows? But that's not how movies work, David. <laughs> movies are sold through previews and synopses and interviews. And when you sell me something differently than what the movie ends up being, I'm going to be a little taken aback by that. That's just how it goes. But it's fine. It's a fine movie. Cars 3 is fine. Pixar's going to be fine. They got Coco coming out. They got The Incredibles 2. Finally, The Incredibles 2 coming out. They got Toy Story 4 coming out. So they're going to be okay. Um, I'm going to wrap it up now because I'm hot. I need to go do a lap. <laughs> but again, for all of you who listened through this, thank you so much. For those of you who have followed, we appreciate it. Please do us a favor. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Popcorn Diet. You can also find us at PopcornDietPodcast.com. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell all your good movie buddies to go find The Popcorn Diet on iTunes or Google Play or SoundCloud. Like, rate, subscribe. We want to get more good movie buddies into this conversation about should you be given the movie that you were sold. With that being said, David, I appreciate your time today. Always a good time. And I'll see you at the next movie, and hopefully it's sold the right way. (laughs) I'm out of here. See ya.